Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. We're back. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me from Vancouver, Eric Green. Eric, hello. Hello. How are you? I'm okay. I slept till uh, like almost 7.30 local time today, which was a big concern because as, uh, you know, our followers and, you know, Twitter followers and the, the lovers, you know, the, the half dozen to dozen Your lovers of this podcast know I was gallivanting in Portugal up until Saturday. So the eight hour uh, time swing, uh, you know, it was daunting, but I made it. I like and, this right and, away, right out of the gate, back into the beat writer minutia. Oh, yeah. Let's, Let, let's do it. I was, uh, the flight here was also fascinating. It was like a, uh, maybe a 60 row Air Canada flight with like eight abroad in each row. Um, and it got in a bit late. So people connecting to Whitehorse and some other location needed to go out first. And they announced this three times before the flight ended. But naturally, some people didn't hear that and were just like clogging the lines and everybody just started to scream at each other. It was, you know, it made you see the best in humanity. That's what be being a beat writer, a traveling beat writer will do, as you'll soon see, Blake. Segway. Oh. We're full-time teammates. Yes. So uh, you, yeah. So I'm sure that anyone who listens to this podcast has either been following us on Twitter or reads The Athletic and knows uh, I will be joining you full-time this year. To cover the Toronto Raptors ahead of what should be, you know, probably their most interesting season to date, at least their most dramatic. Um, Eric, I, I want to give you a platform first to just say a bunch of nice things about me and tell everyone how excited you are to to get to see me. Well, I mean, you already see me a lot, but get to work closely with me. This this must be a big day for you. Yeah, no, it is. Um, anytime the spotlight can be taken further from me, uh, I'm just delighted just over the moon uh I, I as you know i don't want this to be about me at all i want it to be about you first and foremost put you in the spotlight put you in the center of things uh i want you to write so many first person stories you know lots of eyes in there let's just break all the rules of formal journalism baby uh but seriously as you know People know Blake's been working his ass off. Oh, don't actually say nice things about me. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You shut up. Um, Blake's been working his ass off at a number of outlets for a number of years. And as I wrote on Twitter yesterday, if this were a normal industry and a normal economy, somebody would have scooped him up a long time ago. And The Athletic is lucky to get him. And uh, I'm really excited to work with him on a full-time basis. Uh, I think it's going to make a good thing even better. That's the hope. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the opportunity. Um, you know, I obviously with something like this, I'm going to make a ton of wrestling references. And I had teased kind of that a heel turn was coming. Uh, I told you earlier on Twitter that I'm the Becky Lynch to your Charlotte. And when we eventually break up, uh, I will be the one who is kind of playing the heel role. But I'll be justified because you are obviously existing off of your family's legacy in sports journalism. Yes. Um, you have been, you know, the athletics Chosen one since day one. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's because of, no, because, um, of, because of the push I got from one of the uh, the big uh, the big market the big territories, as you could yeah. say. 
Yeah, the Na- they brought you in from the National Post. Adam Hansman, he was like, that's the guy. That's uh, that's my chosen one. So it's coming, Eric. I won't tell you when, but it's coming. This is, this is tough for me because Becky Lynch is li- literally my favorite yeah, rest she's of the nice. roster right now. And I, I'm glad to see she won because I, I missed those series of Raws and SmackDowns. So I had friends over. Glad she, glad she has a belt. I had friends over for Hell in a Cell, and, like, we had pizza and stuff. It was more like a friend of mine got engaged, and we were kind of just having beers. Uh, I watched maybe, like, 15 minutes of that entire four-hour pay-per-view. It was... Yeah. It's not great right now, the the WWE. Yeah, well... So it probably makes sense that we spent the first couple of minutes of this Raptors podcast talking about it. Yeah. Anyway, that's the point the, I was going to make was want. that... In my intro post, uh, I linked early on to Seth Rollins' explanation of when he turned heel on the shield uh, right to the point where the crowd is chanting, you sold out. And he says, I didn't sell out. I bought in. Um, you know, it's kind of what it is, you know? Yeah. Well, well welcome anyway. I my, my head is in the sand for uh, when this heel turn will come. Yes. Uh, also, Walter's going to be involved. For those who don't know, while Eric was in Portugal, I was dog sitting for him. And his dog is a wonderfully lazy and good boy. Uh, my heart... You'll literally hear, like with Ralph Wiggum and Lisa in that Valentine's Day episode, you'll literally hear the sound of my heart breaking uh, if Walter is involved. Yeah, I don't think that would happen. I don't think, uh, I think turning on someone or even just picking a side would be a lot more energy than Walter's willing to expend. <laughs> yeah, uh, unless, unless his ball is involved, then all bets are off. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the thing. He will, he will go to whoever has that ball. Uh, anyway, Eric, you're back from Portugal. Uh, I was in Ireland prior to that, so we've not done a Raptors Reasonless podcast in a long time. There also wasn't a ton to talk about uh, yeah. for a long time. Now there is. Media Day took place Monday. Training camp begins today in Burnaby, British Columbia, which is directly adjacent to the city you're in right now, which is the worst town I have ever been in, Vancouver. Uh, <laughs> Eric, uh, I saw from a couple people, it looks... Unbelievably beautiful there right now. Well, it's funny you say that because the last time I was here was for a Raptors traded cap, uh, on which the last uh, the last day of which uh, I went through a you know tormenting breakup. So we yeah. both have great things to say about Vancouver. The worst town. Um, but yeah, it does it, look. It it's looks supposed to be. There. Yeah, it's supposed to be beautiful. Uh, it's. I think we're seeing like high teens, low twenties and sunny and clear. Um, and I've got to say like each time I've been to the West coast for training camp. And I think this is the fourth time, uh, Vancouver slash Burnaby three to uh, maybe. I think it's the fifth year in a row. It's been in, it's been at West. Yeah. Um, I missed one though. Okay. Uh, I missed the 2016 one. So regardless, we get like, great weather every single time and all you hear about the pacific northwest is rain 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 and uh the guy who picked me up from the airport um to bring uh to bring me and another writer to an off-site car rental again more beat writer minutiae said it would like absolutely poured the last three days but the sun shines on the toronto raptors my friend yeah it's supposed to be beautiful all week nice great it's not. It's pretty rainy and miserable. It's a very much a Vancouver winter day today. Um, for those who don't know, I lived in Vancouver for a little while. I was there for like thirteen or fourteen months. Um, six or seven of those, it rained the entire time, which you probably know about Vancouver. 
Um, I'm underselling how nice a city that is, but it looks beautiful. I saw some sunsets and stuff today, or sun rises rather. Uh, the sun does not set at eight in the morning. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric. So you were out there. Obviously, we're coming off a of media day. I've already written two things about it. You wrote something big picture about it with Kawhi, uh, who people probably know by now uh, is a Toronto Raptor. Showed yep. up, was in uniform, was Plays. physically there, made a joke, laughed. Oh my God, the laugh to his joke. It's perfect. Uh, like his 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 laugh is one thing, but it was if like him not being able to locate Doug Smith of the Toronto Star was the funniest joke that's ever been you know joked. Yeah, it's like oh my god. Honestly, I feel like it was perfect. And I wrote about this in my kind of like light goofy things from Media Day. It's like it was such a perfect icebreaker where like there's all this tension. And Raptor fans have all this, like, secondhand impression of what Kawhi Leonard is like. And obviously the team would have preferred him to come out and be very likable and do something like that. And immediately he just, like, not only cracks a joke, but, like, just has this incredibly endearing moment um, where, like, I, I feel like if it were not for that, that press conference would have just been, like, a little tighter. And, like, it would have really put the, shifted some more onus on Danny Green to carry things. Uh, it was a pretty It was a pretty nice start. Danny Green, by the way, up for best supporting role in a, in a press conference already yeah. uh, in, in the season. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah. is he going to get tired of us? Because this oh, team, yeah. This, although, look, I was going to say this team is not super heavy on great quotes, but Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka coming in with just, like, really good scrum stuff yesterday. Which and, is... and, then, and you've got, like, your, your three... Like big name, not big name, but like reliably good quotes and Fred Van Vliet, CJ Miles and Danny Green. And then you've got Kyle Lowry, who is like a wild card, who can be like particularly incisive when he wants to be. Um, but is, you know, he goes by the whims of whatever mood he's in on the day. I think it's a fair thing to say. Uh, and then Nick Nurse also with a promising quote day, uh, I think. The one uh, thing we're going to have to get used to with Nick Nurse is every answer is very long. So if yeah. you ask for five minutes with Nick Nurse, you better You're getting Yeah, I learned that at Summer League. I was like, they were like, yeah, you can have him for like 10 minutes. And I got like four questions in. Uh, and his answers are awesome. Yeah. It's, welcome it's, it's welcome to Brian Colangelo era Redux, except Brian uh, tended to say very little while saying so much. Yeah. And um, Nick, we should talk about Nick Nurse a little bit. Um, it's nothing that people hadn't heard before. He said the same stuff at his intro presser, the same stuff in Vegas. Um, you've seen him do interviews with people over the course of the summer. It's He's staying on message about you know basketball being the thing that matters most, his confidence that everything will work once everyone gets on the court because him and Kyle and Kawhi all speak the same kind of competitive basketball language. And then still, even with, you know, even with the dust having settled, still talking a lot about, okay, we're versatile and we're going to try a lot of different things and we're going to be experimental uh, which is, I think, the right way to approach this. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think yesterday there was a lot of angst. And how I know there was a lot of angst is because I practically got ratioed on a joke I made uh, about Kyle Lowry coming out and immediately putting on his Adidas uh, personalized gear over his jersey, asking what does it mean? Hmm. And, you know, some people got their back up and were like, oh, he's cold. You know, as if that were like a serious question I was asking. Uh, people are a bit wound up. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but, uh, you know, 
Media Day is about this stuff. We haven't got a chance to talk to any of these guys about these huge, you know, franchise-altering things that happen in the summer. You know, it's not like DeMar DeRozan and Dwayne Casey, uh, or, sorry, Kyle Lowry um, and Kawhi Leonard and anybody but Masai Ujiri practically has spoken about the the Casey firing, the nurse hiring, and the Leonard DeRozan trade until yesterday. So what did anybody think yesterday was going to be about? But very quickly, and maybe not on Tuesday, because now you get the Vancouver reporters in for their first day to ask the same questions as Monday, which is always a fun part of training camp. Um, but it's going to move to basketball soon, because we covered those those things, and we covered the emotions that people may or may not be willing to share. And, you know, the best chance to get these guys to actually talk is when you talk about basketball right now. Uh, and Nurse is a great, you know, sort of center for that because he can talk about basketball for a long, long time. He's very thoughtful. Uh, we may have to get him to stop talking about how much he likes music. I mean, most of us like music. Mm. Uh, but, no, uh, the what the... Uh, problem is going to be that everyone's like a lot of people are going to try to shoehorn music references or music terms into yeah. pieces i think and yeah i've already got like a list of like concerto uh you know also a wrestling reference concerto yes let's uh <laughs> let's pour one we'll pour one out for matt hardy who was presumably the victim of many a concerto yes and also some some other things from edge in real life Oh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that got weird. Uh, no, not to get look, not to get all Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns about it. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I, I, look, you wrote about Kawhi. You're probably quiet out by now. Um, do you have any any thoughts about what his, um, you know, what his demeanor was or what was said? Did did you walk away feeling any differently about the situation for this year than than you walked in on Monday? Not really. I mean, he said what he should say, and that's a good sign. Uh, I think it was the best realistic scenario, best case realistic scenario. Like he wasn't going to come in and uh, say, "Messiah, so put that extension on on this desk." Uh, you know, particularly because the extension would be wouldn't be to his favor. I don't think. Right. Um, uh, but short of that, he said, you know, I'm dialed in on this year. I want to, you know, focus on this season and, and you know, winning is the way. I, I, that was the most interesting thing he, he said, or not interesting, but, you know, promising, I guess, is that winning is how you get star caliber players to make a traditionally non, you know, glamour market a glamour market and a desirable place to play. And... You know, he's going to be part of that this year. And if they do really well, that's where it all starts. You know, it starts there with Kawhi and it starts there with anybody else, too. Um, That's kind of what I wrote about um, today was that, you know, it's nice. It seemed like everyone was pretty eager, especially like uh, Nick Nurse, Masai Jiri and Kyle Lowry to just like get the offseason behind them. And like, okay, now now the basketball is starting and. You know, Kawhi, Kawhi might have a decision made up or, or, you know, a finals run might not change his decision. We, we're not going to know until July 1st. But, you know, if winning's really important to him, the Raptors' best chance at selling him starts now. Yeah. And I feel like everyone was kind of, 
not anxious, but a mix of anxious and excited and impatient to kind of get that part of things underway. Um, and how can you not be? Because this roster is like brimming with possibility. Like uh, it, that makes sense. I mean, you're always anxious at this time of the year to play, but even more so when you get a slightly new thing that has all this possibility around it. And, and, and beyond that, Kawhi Leonard hasn't played since January and he hasn't played full health since he, you know, stepped on Zaza Pachulia's foot. So it's been a while to quote, uh, stained. That's a, that's an interesting way of stating that sentence that Kawhi stepped on Zaza's yeah. foot. It just like the, the way it's structured makes it seem like, Kawhi did something when really... Not on, yeah, but it was not factually untrue. Yes. Uh, I would have phrased it, you know, since Zaza slid underneath him as he was landing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. We don't need to... Uh, look, look if, if this is... If that injury ends up, you know, Kawhi Leonard helps take the Toronto Raptors to the finals and then he re-signs in Toronto, Zaza Pachulia is going to be a hero among Raptor fans, so... Yeah. Exactly. And now Zaza Pachulia is a teammate with Jose Calderon playing under Dwayne Casey. Yes. Uh, My favorite thing about this year is already Jose Calderon inevitably starting at point guard. I was going to say, I was on the Detroit Bad Boys uh, blogs podcast yesterday, and I said the same thing. They were like, we we were talking about the Pistons a little bit, and I was like, you guys know, right, that Jose Calderon is absolutely starting games for this team this year. So I had to take them back through the history of like, okay, Mike James fell – Jared Jack fell, TJ Ford fell, um, Kyle Lowry was maybe going to, and they had to ship Jose out just to make sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he started getting Mike James got last paid. year. Mike James got paid. Yes. I'm not sure he fell. Yes, and they uh, started alongside each other a couple times, but. Yeah, and that was before Jose was Jose. Yeah, and that was the only year that Mike James was truly Mike James. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you mentioned that once they're on the court, this team is quite good, and they're quite deep. I thought it was interesting in hearing, not only in hearing the players talk, um, but in hearing how different reporters were asking questions about it. It seems like everyone kind of has a different assumption about what the rotation might look like. Because at the same time, I heard Greg Monroe talking about playing in the backup center role and DeLon Wright talking about getting Greg Monroe up to speed in the backup center role. Um, But I also heard... OG and OB talking about playing the four and a couple people talking about how switchable they are two through four. Uh, that would mean that either Pascal Siakam, who was universally the guy most people were excited to talk about their game and their improvements and their upsides and stuff, uh, would be out of the rotation or Serge Ibaka would be out of the rotation. Uh, so right away we're at an 11 man rotation. And then I had one player tell me that in these workouts, you know, not only at UCLA, but in the last couple of weeks back in Toronto, that Norman Powell is back to looking like Norman Powell. Uh, so suddenly you're at 12 again. And I'm very, I know Nick Nurse is going to try a lot of things and the starting lineup will probably tweak. And Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard are the only certainties in the starting lineup for however many games they play. Uh, but it's certainly, you know, this is a problem the Raptors only ran into for chunks of time last year when they were trying to work 12 into the rotation, including three centers. And obviously there will be things like injuries and rest nights off that'll sort some of this stuff out. Uh, But man, is there a lot of juggling and a lot of experimenting for Nick Nurse to do? Because this team's, this team's deep, man. And apologies to Malachi Richardson and Lorenzo Brown. I know Nick Nurse was trying to talk up that they could have an impact too. Uh, That's a, that's far down the, down the waiting list when you're already 12 deep with not enough minutes for everyone. Yeah, um, and that's what's going to make preseason interesting, as much as preseason can ever be interesting. Uh, 
I sort of feel bad for players 15 through 20. Like I think the, a lot of the competition is going to have to come off the court. Uh, I mean, off the, off the game court, I should say, uh, uh, not that they won't get time because it's preseason and you don't want to risk any actual injuries, but you like at to some extent you have to use it as a you know not a trial run, but you have to use all these different lineups that may play in the regular season because there are just so many of them, uh, and, and I think that's gonna it's actually gonna make the the preseason somewhat watchable uh, beyond you know still getting used to what Kawhi Leonard looks like in a Raptors uniform. I think if I had to predict the starting lineup on opening day, I would go uh, opening night. I should say it's not baseball. Uh, I'd go chalk and say Ibaka, Valanciunas, Leonard green and Lowry. But okay. that and could, then OGs then coming off the bench with the yeah, bench mob but, somewhere. And just because like, you know, it, when in doubt you go with the veterans and you don't want to have, if Ibaka and Valanciunas aren't starting, it's very tough to get both. Uh, let's, and let's say Ibaka is the one who goes to the bench. Then are Ibaka and Monroe both in the rotation coming off the bench? Like it's very hard to make that sort of work, uh, just because they have so many versatile wings who you want on the floor. So, you know, I think they'll, I mean, my bet, and that's just, you know, it's just a hypothesis is that they'll start chalk and, and work for that from there and see, what works and what doesn't, you know, it wouldn't be how I predict the season ends. Uh, but they certainly could go with, with, uh, you know, Pascal Siakam or OG at the four. Um, and it wouldn't be surprising. And, and you're going to get to see a lot of these because Nick nurse, uh, I, I think he knows how good this team can be and he's not going to, you know, obsess over every regular season win. And you're going to see a lot of variations throughout the season. He's, you know, he's something of a mad scientist is what, you know, I wrote about him and shortly after he was he was hired, I wrote a profile about him and I forget who referred to him as a mad scientist. I don't even know if it ended up in the piece, but this is what he does. He mixes and matches. He he uses, uh, you know, the season as an experimental tool and he wants to know all the possibilities come uh, when the games really matter, because this is, you know, what that this team will be building to, obviously, as we said, for a number of years, but never more so than this year. Uh, they'll be building to the postseason and, and how good, you know, the team with the highest ceiling in franchise history can be. Yeah. And it's not not even just like finding out the different ways they can be good. But I think there's an element of being familiar, playing different styles. And you yeah. look at the playoffs and, you know, Assuming Jimmy Butler doesn't land on a roster better than, say, Miami, uh, I think that's a good fit for him. I think Miami would be a decent team. But let's say that he lands on a team that's Miami or lower, just to keep it clean. Uh, you know, you look at Milwaukee. Okay, well, the Raptors have already... And the East, of, you mean. Yes. Right? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, you look at Milwaukee. It's like, okay, the Raptors have kind of figured that out. Uh, if there's anyone who could stop Gian- an ascendant Giannis, it's probably a guy like Kawhi Leonard... Um, and, you know, the Raptors have kind of been down that road uh, a little bit now. You look at Philadelphia and, you know, with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, that's going to be a really different approach at both ends of the floor than if you're up against, say, Boston, who could match with you with Aaron Baines and Al Horford or could go small with Al Horford. And, and they have the same kind of versatility and flexibility to get into a lineup chess match with you. Uh, so I think if you're looking ahead, 
into you know what the toughest playoff matchups might be, um, and no disrespect to Indiana or whoever else ends up you know in that bracket, um, you know trying to learn how to play a couple different ways is going to be helpful because you're going to run into some dissimilar um, opponents in the Eastern Conference bracket probably, and you're probably going to have to run through. Well, you're definitely going to have to run through at least one of Philadelphia and Boston, uh, maybe even both. So uh, yeah. having being able to mix up those styles and you know the Raptors, we've talked about this a ton in the Dwayne Casey era. The Raptors have always been a very good regular season team. Um, ironically, I guess it's a little ironic that they now have a coach who's a little less rigid and a little more willing to be flexible and experiment and things like that. Uh, which is how the Raptors should have maybe operated in the playoffs the last couple of years. At the same time, because this is the highest upside team the Raptors have had, and because this will be the first time that they have the best player in each series in the Eastern Conference Finals, they're actually built like a team now where if they wanted to, they would be in a better position to just dictate, no, this is how the Raptors play. We're really good. You deal with it because we've got the best player uh, and we're the best team. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting that right as they get the personnel to where they could dictate things. Uh, they're also willing and more able to, to be flexible and versatile. Yeah, for sure. But, um, you know, part of what makes Leonard such a fascinating piece is he fits all these different, you know, identities. And that's what transcendent talents do, right? Like he can, he can be a four if they need him to be, a, you know, quote unquote four. And you can move like, you know, any lineup, I'm just waiting to see some lineup with him, OG, and Siakam on the floor. It's going to be awesome. Like, yeah. It's and I'll be honest, I want to see it two better. through four, not three through five. Um, yeah, I know a lot of – I've seen a few national writers sort of speculate about Siakam at the five. We'll see about that. Here's the thing about Siakam at the five. One, he's not a super strong rebounder. Uh, but more importantly than his weaknesses, his strengths are that he's incredibly switchy on the perimeter and can guard really fast, versatile perimeter players. Uh, if he's at center and, you know, he's more in a rim protection role or helping out of a corner, I'm sure he could do that and I'm sure he'd block a lot of shots around the rim. But you're then playing him in a role where you're like, okay, the best thing about a Kawhi, OG, Pascal trio on paper is that they can switch all over the place and, and you know, and you don't have to be... You know, you don't have to be dogmatic about switching everything on the perimeter, but there's a ton of things you can do defensively. And if you slot Siakam at center and he's playing a more traditional role that way, um, you know, you're taking some of his biggest strengths off the table or at least minimizing them uh, in order to get the benefits of small ball. So you better be fairly certain that the benefits of going small, uh, either offensively or because of the personnel you're matching up with, are worth it. Otherwise, it might just make sense to have those guys two through four and let Jonas or, or whoever it is um, hang at that center spot, do the defensive rebounding, and then let those guys run and transition the other way. Yeah. Also, you'd have no one to set screens. Yeah, there's that. But whatever. They'll just Kyle Lowry would be your best screen setter on the floor, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, if, uh... that's, uh, he does a lot of things well. He's a good player. Yeah. All right. I want to touch on a couple things quickly because I think we covered, I mean, most of our writing stuff is about the bigger picture stuff. Um, did you have, other than Kawhi's laugh, because we've already talked about that, uh, if I was better at uh, audio editing, I would just be splicing in Kawhi's laugh all over the place on this. I podcast. think, yeah, I think we should get, now that you've been made full time, we should we should get like a soundboard where we can like turn into a morning talk show and just insert all these things. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go on. 
Did I have a favorite moment, like, off... Uh, yeah, like, what was your favorite moment? thing other than the Kawhi lap? What was your favorite for thing that happened? Reason, or favorite OG, OG Anobi asking for water before <laughs> Grom really made me laugh. Um, because, first of all, I was getting irritated because they I, I wanted a tea, and they had got rid of the coffee and hot water. They still had the tea box, which, you know, becomes useless when there's no hot water, as you, as you might... As you might know, I mean, you can just tear open the bag and, and consume the caffeine, but that's not really what you want to do. Um, but um, so there were no waters left, and he asked, and media relations started scrambling, and OG started just sort of shrugged and said, "I got thirsty," and like he just said it in such a matter-of-fact way that it really made me laugh. I don't know if this is translating well at all. Sorry, I, I, and I just like played that sound. I didn't mean to play the sound, but I brought up the YouTube video. I wanted to see if the Raptors accidentally like put the whole clip up in the YouTube of OG Scrum. They did not. Yeah. So basically, he walked up and he was eating something. He had like a whole plate. It was like a ton of fruit, maybe some celery sticks. It was like the most colorful plate. Like, And having come from Europe, I don't know if you notice this about Europe. It's very hard to get like salads and vegetables. Yeah, it was really uh, hard at, to eat even remotely healthy in Ireland. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is true throughout Europe. Even though like you see markets all the time, but just at the restaurants, it's hard to get these things. Which is to say, this was like the most colorful plate I've seen in a number of weeks. And then uh, he got thirsty, so he, he gave the plate to somebody in media relations. Decided he needed a drink. There was no drink to be found. Yeah, it was uh, that was pretty funny. Um, OG was in fine form. Yeah, it was a it was a good OG day. Him him trying to like make sure I understood his meme jokes was yeah. Was, was, I do not that was off that, camera. But whatever. Um, yeah, he's uh, anyway. He's uh, what was your what was your top non Kawhi laugh moment? Yeah, it's interesting. I think. I don't know. It might have just been JV in general. JV was just like so happy and goofy. Um, yeah. and like, I don't know, man, JV, he's gotten better as a quote every year, but like, he seemed very comfortable yesterday. Uh, and I got, like, we got him joking a little bit uh, about some stuff like his passing and his three point shooting, uh, and him saying, actually, probably my favorite quote was either Ujiri saying, tell Jeff Weltman basically that I don't care about him. Like I care about Bobby Webster. And I'd, I'd like to say for all people involved that I facilitated that quote. So you're said, welcome, world. Yes. Uh, context there is um, Masai was basically saying he would understand if, if Kyle was upset because if, with DeMar getting traded because he'd feel the same if Bobby got traded. And then Eric, I, I Eric basically asked, said, what about Weltman? <laughs> and Masai said, no, not, not Weltman. And write that so he can see it. Uh, so that was probably up there. And then JV getting asked about how his three-point shot com is coming along and saying, well, in Europe, we have a shorter three-point line, so I'll have to check. <laughs> just like like he didn't shoot NBA threes all year. He just moved his shot into the FIBA line because he happened to be in Lithuania. Uh, uh, we like lines. Yeah. We like to be told where to stand just behind. Yeah. Also, um, the Serge Ibaka video where he has the team over for dinner for his um, How Hungry Are You is going to be really funny from what I can gather. Uh, yeah, let's hope so. I, still I asked a couple of the guys about the it and, and they just... But... I asked a couple of the guys about it, and they all just, like, burst out laughing right when I asked. So it must be good. Uh, will Kawhi figure prominently in that video? I don't know. I don't imagine Kawhi was there. 
That'd be my guess. But no one would confirm or deny. But what do you think that means? I think it means maybe he doesn't like to eat worms, and he saw <laughs> Damar being served what I think was like worms and mashed potatoes, and uh, was like, nah, I'm uh, I'm fine with chicken wings. Um, that reminds me, when, when they're back off the road, I have to take Kawhi Leonard on a wing tour of Toronto and let yep. him know, you know, you're, you're, we don't have wing stop, but you're going to be just fine. Yes. I can't imagine media relations is going to let me do that, but... Well, don't, just don't bring it through them. You just got to... Yes, I'll just hit Kawhi up directly. Yeah, yeah. No, the first thing, you just got to build that one-on-one relationship with Kawhi, man. Yeah. You're, a, you're, you're a beat writer now. Yeah. This is what I'm, you do. I've been a beat writer for three years, man. I nope, just, like, but now, I'm you're, a, now you're a real beat I've writer. I've just been a vagrant beat writer with... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now uh, you know, they... I'm media now. They have to give me... They have to give me top shelf treatment. Uh, well, all I'll say is that not everybody would agree that you're mainstream media, but we can't talk anymore about that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter anyway. <laughs> um, like I said, someone someone like literally just added me on Twitter and said, "Sell you on Raptors Republic for stacks, not cool." And I wish I had a photo of me with like a stack of money to my ear because I would send that back. Yeah. I feel like I covered it with the Seth Rollins YouTube embed. I feel like that was that covered up what you need to know about me selling out for stacks. Also, no, I don't need to do that. Yeah, we don't need to do this. Um, anyway, oh yeah, so I guess I should plug this. If anyone's listening and has not subscribed to the Athletic, uh, the written side yet, which you know is probably the case. This podcast tends to do pretty good numbers, and I I don't imagine that everyone subscribes. Uh, please do, and please do so off of the article that I posted. So oh, that... off of the one you posted. Well, yeah. No, then I, it... I don't. I don't need anything else. Eric, uh, you have a make... cushy long-term deal. <laughs> Is that what I have? Yeah, I'm on like one of those Eric Moreland 2017-18 Detroit Pistons deal where like there's a guarantee date like every month where I get slightly more, uh, yeah. so long as my numbers are good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not true, but uh, yeah, do it off mine so I look so I look good. Uh, and also, it's thirty percent off, so it works out to like four fifteen a month right now, Canadian. And then you can come to our um, Eric won't be there because again, you, you subscribe off of off of my article. Um, yeah, there's a subscriber event at the Rec Room in Toronto on Thursday, uh, and we'll be there. There'll be a small Raptors panel, and I'll probably be flushed with drink tickets. I hope I'm flushed with drink tickets. Eric, are you doing the, the, the Vancouver Athletic Meetup? Uh, no. When is it? I think it's while you're there. I think it's Friday. Mm, I haven't been approached about this. See, they're just bringing you in to replace me. This is what's happening. Yeah, I, I was told that your return ticket from Vancouver is going to be canceled, actually. Oh, <laughs> that's, uh, uh, I'll take the, you know, the the very pensive trip across Canada in a rented car that I've always wanted to take. I made the drive from Toronto to Vancouver when I moved out there and I strongly recommend it. I did it over like five days cause I wanted to drive on the Canada side and I wanted to like stop places and enjoy the drive a little bit uh, because it's kind of a difficult drive. Like the prairies are really easy cause it's just straight and there's nothing there. Um, but Northern Ontario is tough. And then once you get, once you hit the middle of Alberta, it gets very like mountainy and windy um, so if you take your time and do it over, like you could even do it over like a week if you really wanted kind of zoom through the prairies, but then make a couple stops in Alberta and BC. Um, it was wonderful. And I think next summer I'm going to complete the Canada one and go out to St. John's, um, cause that's where my dad is now. And 
I would love to do that in the winter because, you know, take in some St. John's Edge basketball. But uh, that drive is probably not super friendly. In the yeah, it seems, uh, seems risky. Yeah. Seems risky in the winter. Yeah. There's also, like, that huge ferry ride that you have to take when you're driving out to Newfoundland. Uh, I think you have your option between, like, a seven-hour ferry and, like, a 14-hour ferry. Yeah. I, think, I feel like that would be less enjoyable in the dead of winter. I don't know. Uh, you're probably on to something there. Yeah. Also, my dad doesn't have Wi-Fi yet, so I couldn't work there. Might Hopefully be good. By February. Might be good for you. Yeah, but not in the middle of the season. In the summer, it'd be fine. All-Star weekend. Yes. So that is, uh, oh, yeah, I can't talk about that. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to say something that I'm not supposed to talk about yet. Uh, yes. Sometime around <laughs> yeah. that time of year. We'll talk about that when we're off the air, Eric. Right. Because um, that's something we got to figure out anyway. Um, okay. Eric, is there anything? I was going to do like a bunch of rapid fire stuff from uh, Media Day, but we're already like 35 minutes in. Is there anything else you want to? Oh, I guess the other question is, um, I mentioned it earlier that the guy I got told people were most excited about was Pascal Siakam in terms of how they looked in workouts and stuff like that. Was there anyone like that that stood out to you or any you know, one guy's skill development, one area. Is there like anything that got you excited or did you kind of just roll everything off as, as lip service, the standard media day stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you were in more of those scrums cause I was in got to catch a flight. Got to finish Friday. Um, yeah. Eat off your plate. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in terms of the year, I'm really curious how they're going to fit the lawn right in. Um, because of my ongoing fascination with the best basketball player in the world. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a crowded, it's a crowded backcourt and a crowded wing. And, uh, it's a big year for him because he's heading in, he's eligible for an extension, as we know, and the Raptors are in a complicated financial situation. And, uh, so yeah, like I, I think, uh, to see how, you know, his shooting is coming along and to see how he sort of fits with with this defensive versatility, because he really should. Uh, but, you know, that is something maybe they need less of now that they have Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green guys who can play over the floor. And, you know, there's some scenario in which I can see him sort of becoming the odd man out in certain games. Uh, so his uh, it'll be interesting to track him on the periphery of of the Raptors rotation, I think. Yeah. And he's, it's, it's going to be a weird spot because he's so good and he fits so well in a lot of lineups. Like, I think you could play him at the two with the starters. Some, obviously you can play him with the bench mob, um, things like that. But if, you know, this is, I don't think Nick nurse and Masai Jiri would manage a rotation like this because they're so, um, they're so like all in for this year. And this is just not how they treat people. But if this were, a certain organization worried about arbitration figures and service time and things like that. Um, DeLon Wright is the guy they have the least long-term investment in right now. So say him, Fred Van Vliet, um, CJ Miles, and Norman Powell were all playing at a comparably um, effective level. Um, you know, Wright's the guy who's an impending free agent who's only got one year left on his deal, who um, wouldn't bring back that much in a trade in terms of salary matching, things like that. Uh, if you were being purely cold with it in terms of asset value, he would be the guy that maybe uh, is on the outside. At the same time, he is so good defensively, and if they're going to ratchet up the defensive 
pressure. Um, Nick Nurse has talked a little bit about wanting to turn up the aggression at least early in the year and early in training camp to try to force more turnovers and play more like the bench mob did for most of last year. Um, DeLon, like all of that starts with DeLon, right? He's such a terror creating turnovers. Um, the, the team's live ball turnover rate last year when he was on the floor was significantly higher than he was off of it. Um, and this is, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Obviously, he's a good defender and gets his hands on everything. Um, but I think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a role for him and he's good enough that he'll find, he'll find time, whether that's, you know, co-point guarding with Fred Van Vliet, some time with the starters. Heck, even playing, I mean, he can defend some small forwards at this point, probably. So, um, I think he'll find a spot. I'm with you on, like, finding, figuring out where exactly it comes is, uh, going to be interesting. But, uh, he's going to have a spot. He's so good, man. Like you said, he's the yeah. best player in the world. Uh, will any Raptor play more than 33 half and a half minutes a game this year? I could see Kawhi playing more than that, uh, but not, like, not playing 82 games, like maybe only playing like 73, 74 games. Yeah. Get kind of getting, you know, I think Lowry's minutes will stay down just because like they have Van Vliet and DeLon Wright. They don't really need Kyle Lowry to go all out. Um, and Lorenzo just, Brown. Yeah. I'd just be interested to, to, you know, what the conversation's been like with Kawhi Leonard, where, you know, does he want to play? Is he like tomorrow where he wants to play 36, 37, 38 minutes a game and, um, you know, and, and then it's a question too: Are the Raptors just going to bludgeon teams like they did last year, where they were up 15 in the fourth quarter so many times? Um, no. You know, those things add up. So um, that, and I think the answer to that is yes, they are going to bludgeon teams like that. The bottom of the East is still really, like very bad. So I was talking about this with uh, Mike Danter of the, of the Toronto Sun and the Post Media Network, who Kyle Post- Lowry pointed out looked quite tanned yesterday. Yeah. Jeez, I was just in Portugal, and he points out that Ganter looks tanned. Um, which teams in the East would you say are definitely not going to make the playoffs? How many can you say? Okay, let me let me bring this up. Atlanta. Atlanta yes. is definitely not making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks are definitely not making the playoffs. Um, the Bulls are definitely not making the playoffs. Those are probably the only three I'm certain of. I'm pretty confident the Magic aren't making the playoffs. I but would add, if, the, yeah, I would add the Nets there. Um, I don't know, man. The Nets might be feisty enough to like be in that eight, nine, ten mess. Yeah, because I kind of see it. I see like seven, six and a half clear East playoff teams. Like I think the reason Toronto, we were dis- the reason we were discussing this is because we were trying to figure out if Cleveland was a playoff team or not. Okay, um, so I have. We don't want to go to Cleveland for a playoff series again. (laughs) So it came from a selfish perspective, but I thought it was an interesting conversation. I think Toronto, Boston, Philly, Indiana, Milwaukee, and Washington are all pretty safely in, barring catastrophe or injury. I think Miami would be in a pretty good spot as well, Yeah, uh, which would leave you with Cleveland, Detroit, Charlotte, and then if any of those teams from the bottom fight their way in. Yeah. So I don't think Cleveland is. I think I would probably rank those Detroit, Charlotte. I might even have Brooklyn higher than Cle- now. Cleveland, Brooklyn are right there. I I really just want to like Brooklyn. I like the moves that they make. I like the off season that they. Oh have yeah, they're in. building. They're building very intelligently. Yeah. I'm just not sure the talent levels there yet. Yeah, that's true. And they also, if the talent level is there, they might trade it away. Like Demari Carroll is now contract year. Demari Carroll, um, they could ship him off. At the deadline, if he's, yeah. he's playing well again. Anyway, just an interesting thought experiment. Yeah, 
So anyway, I think, uh, yeah, the bottom of the East is bad enough that the Raptors might still be hammering teams by 15 or 20 and letting the bench run all over them. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to have the third best net rating in the league and one of the best SRS ratings, you know, in not only in franchise history, but of the last 25 NBA years. Uh, but they're pretty good and they're very deep and the bottom of the East is pretty bad. Oh, indeed. Okay, one more thing before we let you go enjoy Vancouver. Is there a landing spot for Jimmy Butler in the yes, Eastern Toronto. Conference? Toronto. Yeah. It, I mean, look, Toronto. we can't – if this were a couple months ago, I would say the Jimmy Butler to Toronto idea is like – like I, there's just not a workable deal there. Uh, but I also did not think DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl in a first-round pick would get you Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So Yeah. So yes. you just give him Ibaka and uh, I don't know, DeLon Wright. They're, yeah, they're, like that, like that's, the that's one that gets kicked around a lot, but like Abaka is a negative asset value. No, he's not I, a negative player. He's still a useful player, yeah. but that contract with two years, 45 mil left, is negative asset value. And even DeLon Wright, who a lot of teams like and, and teams should like, is a 26-year-old pending restricted free agent. Yeah. It's not – you're not getting a ton of surplus value out of DeLon Wright in a trade. Yeah, but so. you, throw, you throw a 2025 first in there. And there that. you go. Uh, is there a landing spot for Jimmy Butler in the Eastern Conference that would not worry you, but change your thinking of the hierarchy in the Eastern Conference right now? Um, you know, Boston, Philly, or Milwaukee. I, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm kind of assuming Boston's off the table. I think someone reported that Boston won't trade like any of their top five players. For yeah, them. yeah. Um, Philly would be really interesting. Yeah, um, especially, I mean, if they could right. do that, only losing one of Covington and, and Saric. Yeah, if it were like Saric and Fultz, or Fultz and Covington, it's a tough team, man. Yeah, I don't think they'll want to give up on Fultz, especially like like Drew Hanlon is like full on like working out with them at the Sixers facilities, it sounds like. Also, can we, I just want to say, take one second. Um, the rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast guys are amazing. And the live event that they had in New York the other week, um, was it in New York or was it in Philly? Why would it be in New York? I'm an idiot. Uh, the live event that they had the other week, just from judging from social and uh, talking to people who were there is amazing. And I think it's incredible. The, you know, the culture that they built as a podcast and then all the respect in the world for Elton brand going out on stage and like playing along. And I got told, um, that like fans were chanting normal caller at Elton Brand <laughs> while he was on stage. And it's just like, I was super happy when Elton Brand got that job because I like dealing with him when he was around Delaware um, with my G League stuff and at the G League showcase. And everyone says a lot of nice things about him. And then there were some ex Raptors people in that front office that, you know, I'd like to see continue to do well also. Um, but man, the, the Sixers fan base. And the Sixers embracing the rights to Ricky Sanchez stuff and like Dario Saric being on the on the live pod. And I think Covington did it before and TJ McConnell did it before. But Elton Brand going out there and like being a good sport. Sorry, this is not a Sixers podcast. I just I found that no, very it's nice. entertaining. It's nice when things feel like sort of holistic and organic and all those things. Like you don't have to play keep, you know your your fans at a distance. You don't have to create this 
sort of divide between things and, and what's happening in Philadelphia. I mean, since the process started has been fascinating and it, it seems like they're in a healthy place now, which is, you know, it's been the first time, first time in a while that things haven't been super angsty there. Now, obviously the season could bring that, but, uh, you know, it's one of the most fascinating experiments in, in league history and, you know, perfectly suited for its, you know, the nature of Philadelphia fandom uh, and, you know, NBA, Twitter, Internet culture as a whole. And it feels like those things have all come together to create this very, you know, fun, natural thing. So it's uh, it's cool. Definitely. Are you ready for a convoluted double segue to get us back toward athletic Toronto topics? Uh, yes. So, Elton Brand, replacing Brian Colangelo in that role. Brian Colangelo, who uh, I believe Michael Grange of Sportsnet reported that is, you know, has had discussions with Canada Basketball and new president and CEO of Canada Basketball, Glenn Grunwald, about potentially joining the organization of Canada Basketball in some capacity. Um, I don't know if it would be on the basketball operations side. In talk, I talked to Grunwald last, spoke to Grunwald, sorry, last week. Um, and it seemed like he's probably going to be hands-off-ish on the basketball operations side for now yeah. because all of the programs are, are doing so well. And their focus is going to be more on the business side where, you know, their operating budget for the last year was lower than it was in back in, like, 2014. Um, and that missing the Olympics in 2016 on the men's side kind of set them back a bit. That um, wasn't good. No. <laughs> so now they hit the second part of the segue to pivot from that. Shortly after we're done recording this, the Canadian women will play France in the World Cup. Uh, I will be writing something up after. Uh, Canada's 2-0 so far, and they are at the top of Pool A. France is also 2-0. The winner of that game will get a bye, not only a bye through to the quarterfinals, but will land on the opposite side of the bracket of the United States. And there are very good teams throughout the women's pool. Um, you would have to run through Liz Cambage and the Australian team, or you might have to draw the Spanish team. Uh, however, the goal should be to avoid the U.S. juggernaut, who have won six consecutive Olympics and four of the last five World Cups, as long as possible. So um, this afternoon, that's on at 3.30. If you're not doing anything, it's on DAZN and LiveBasketball.tv. Um, support the women, because they've been very good. And Kia Nurse turned in one of the best first half performances I've ever seen in the game uh, the other Sunday morning at like 6.30 in the morning our time. Um, dropped 22 in the first half, which, yeah. was, uh, which was nice. So go go Canada. Yes, it's uh, one of the things you could sort of feel good about being partisan and uh, partisan about. Uh, yeah, I have no, yeah, I'm, I have no, you know, I'm not going to come on this podcast and like raw, raw the Raptors. Obviously, I would prefer for them to do better because it makes our jobs easier and more enjoyable. Uh, the Canada stuff. Yeah, I so want Canada. them to do well. I'm not, I don't need to be, I can still cover them and, and still be objective and still want them to do well. And yeah, that's where I'm at. As, um... As a bunch of people have said, there's no such thing as true objectivity, but there is uh, there's always honesty, uh, and you can you can have a rooting interest and be honest at the same time. Yeah, and I don't think there are many people who cover, you know, maybe people who are in the sort of Olympic kind of sports year round can be a little more removed, but I don't think you know with basketball and hockey and stuff like that, the the things where people really get up for it every four years. I don't know if there's a ton of like raw objectivity anyway, so. Yeah, and even the even the Olympics thing that you mentioned, like they form. We don't need to get into a whole conversation about this, but the, you know they form very personal relationships with these these people uh, because 
they just don't get a lot of press all year. And you, you often get a closer relationship with the athlete just because you're the one or two people who are regularly checking in with them and, and, and you become invested as well. At least that's what I understand from people, you know, Olympic reporters and, and the like, uh, Anyway, uh, that, we're way off topic now. Go Canadian yeah. women. Uh, they've it had wasn't a long. A they've had double a double segue. Yeah, they've had a long history with France. Uh, a lot of it hasn't been good, and it's a big game. So uh, let's go get them. It starts at the same time as media availability for day one of Raptors training camp. So, All right. Uh, we will, uh, well, I look forward to your content. Yeah. Hashtag content. One last thing. Uh, the Athletic Toronto's John Lott was named the Sports Canada oh, yeah. Media Canada Sports Writer of the Year. Uh, I worked with him at the National Post, and I worked with him at the Athletic. Uh, he's such a low-profile person and personality on Twitter, um, and such a kind man that it gets you. If you're not paying attention, you don't understand how freaking good he is at his job. Like he can write a brilliant profile be incisive with his commentary and is also like a ace photographer who has that skill set. Yeah. It's like, it's and ridiculous. it's also just like, a, like a, you said, he's the kindest person. Every time I've been around the Jays, he's super helpful and welcoming and yeah. Like congratulations I hope, to John. I hope to be as good as, as at anything as he is at his job one day. I doubt I'll get there, but we're all very happy for John and, uh, as somebody who has sort of eschewed the spotlight in his own way, he really, really deserves it. So uh, if you're not following John Lott and you like the Jays at all, I don't even know what you're doing with your Especially life. Especially ahead of what could be not maybe not an exciting offseason, but like there's going to be a lot going on with the Jays. They have like 400 guys to fit on their 40-man roster. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be bad, though. But Vlad Jr., you know? But interestingly bad. Yes. Um, okay, we should let you go. You got to go to practice. Uh, this podcast has gone on way longer than we expected. I hope the audio quality is okay. We tried to do this at the Air Can or at Scotiabank Arena yesterday, and we got kicked out. And I left my laptop charger at Scotiabank Arena. Um, so yeah, even after I stopped and said, "Are we forgetting anything?" Yes, I thought I had it. I'm an you idiot. You did not. Yeah. Anyway, Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy Vancouver. I look forward to your stories from. The first week of training camp. It's good I'll to be, be back down here in Toronto. It's good to be back, teammate. Uh, and for those of you coming on Thursday to the meetup in Toronto, uh, make sure you come say hi. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk to you again uh, early next week, I think. See ya. It's too late to be a reasonable man.